You're listening to a sermon preached at Sojourn Church, J-Town. At the very beginning of the Bible, we see God's good vision for the world, creation in harmony with humanity, and humanity in harmony with God. Join us for our series, Sacred, Genesis 1 and 2. All right, if you have a Bible, join me in standing in Genesis chapter 2. Stand up with me. We're going to read one verse today. Hear the word of the Lord. Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground and breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. And the man became a living being. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true and given to you in love. Let's pray real quick. Father, thank you for what you've done in our church already and what you're going to do in the future. Thank you for the Holmes family and how you've gifted us with them. And I can't wait for them to step foot and plant roots here at our church. Lord, I pray that you just bring them joy. Uh, I pray you bring them peace. We all know the, the hardness of moving, even across the street. We couldn't imagine the hardness of moving 14 hours. So Lord, bring them peace. And may we be a people that, that open our hands to how we can serve them and love them and come alongside them as they transition here. Um, Lord, I, I pray for Trunk or Treat. May you bring a lot of servants, but also bring lost neighbors so they can experience our church and say, what, what type of people is this? Lord, I pray for the churches even in our community that are worshiping today. I pray for Highview Central as they launch their very first service tonight on a regular basis. Lord, I pray you flourish that church. I pray they flourish their pastors. I pray you bring many, many people to come know Jesus because of this new work in our city. Um, Lord, we know that we are not the only church in town that can help people. So we need other sisters and brothers in our city that are making disciples. And we pray for this particular one this Sunday as they, they launch out this brand new work tonight and they, they see other people come to know Jesus. Lord, bless our time with the word this morning and bless, um, bless our people as they experience your spirit through your word. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You guys can be seated. So over the last few years of all the chaos that's going on, there's things you unlearned and things you learned. There's things you learned is how to find toilet paper in a really swift way. There's things you unlearned, like how to do social interaction with people you don't know, right? Because for several months, the only people you hung around, even if you hung around with more than your family, it was already people you knew. Then all of a sudden, things getting a little bit back to normal, and you're going to church with a big gathering, you're going to weddings, you're going to other social events, and you, you have to learn how to have interactions with people you've never met before. So you know this, this dance you do. Sometimes they don't, the partner's not dancing well with you, so you have to carry the conversation. What do you do? How are you? How are you? How are you? What's your um, life situation like? Where do you work? And all of a sudden you find yourself asking a million questions and they're not asking you any questions. It gets really difficult. You find a way to transition that conversation to somebody else. But there's all types of ways we unlearn how to do that, right? Like how do I engage with this person I don't know? How do I engage with this new person? But even in all those situations and all the questions you like have in your back pocket to ask, one of the questions I've never had asked is what are you? Be an odd question, right? Like when somebody walk up to you in their a wedding, or like, "Hey, good to meet you." What are you? And you're like, "That's a, the strangest question I've ever heard in my life." But when I take my son William to the zoo, 
What's the question? I look at the animal. I said, what is that? And they say, he says, zebra or tiger or bear or whatever. But with humans, you're like, what are you? And like, duh, I'm a human. Strange question. I want to ask it today. I want to ask the question, what are you? And the text answers that for us this morning. The text, text zooms in on this, this scene where God is creating humanity. He wants to show us not just who we are, but what we are. So he shows us a couple things. He shows us that we're immaterial and material. Look at this, the first section of this verse. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man out of dust from the ground. This chapter two is kind of a zooming in on the creation account on the sixth day. And it's, it's just like a kind of a, kind of a slow motion version of what God did in the sixth day. And what, what God is showing us is how he created mankind. And what's ironic about what God does here is he, in Genesis chapter one, he's saying, God said, let there be light. God said, let there be this. God said, let there be this. And then chapter two says, God formed. This language of, of a potter with a piece of clay or an artist with a paintbrush. This is the first time we see in creation that God got his hands dirty. He says he formed us out of the dust. Then he, he uses this language of dust or this material world. that God made us from the dirt. And, and I think Moses, the author, and God is trying to connect some things for us because he says you're formed out of the dust. And he also names us man. And he names Adam, Adam. And man and Adam are this language of man of the dirt or man of the dust. He's trying to catch trying to track our identity with our function. So we're, we, we are dirt. We also work the dirt. Because what's tempting to think is like God planted us as aliens on this earth. No, he doesn't do that. He makes us from the earth. We're earthy people. We're made from the dust of the soil of which we were standing on. He takes the dust and the dirt from Eden. He makes us a physical being. So it's tempting to think we're just spiritual beings or material beings. We're significantly different than the rest of the world. God is showing his interest, showing his, his identity with our earth. I don't want to don't be that teacher that's like, say, here's what you believe and here's how it's wrong and here's why I know it's right. It's really egotistical and prideful, right? It's like, I'm this elite professor and expert and here's what you don't know and here's what I know. But I'll just make it personal. I've, I grew up thinking that we're these souls trapped in bodies. And that salvation, Jesus came to rescue us from our bodies, and this body is this trap to get out of. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if that's what you kind of maybe think today or grew up thinking, but the reason we think that is for all different reasons, but what this text says is that we're not souls trapped in bodies. We are bodies. We are. We're material people. We have a natural element to us. So 
I know we have visions of who we are or what we are from movies or maybe Sunday school lessons back in the day. But Genesis 2-7 says we are physical, we are material people. But we're more than that, right? We're more. So look what he picks up. He says, and bre- he, he, he made him from the ground. He breathed the breath of life into their nostrils. And man came, became a living being. So the, when they were just physical, they're kind of this thing of his form body laying there, not alive. He breathed the breath of life into their nostrils. Like, I, don't glance over the intentionality of Jesus in the creation of mankind. He not only formed them with his hands, he created them, he got his hands dirty, but he got intimate with them. Think, think about the intimacy of breathing the breath of life into their nostrils, giving them life. And this language, his imagery, is similar to what he's already used in the Bible. So when he's got the waters and the waters weren't formed dead, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And the Spirit of God created the world. And God was hovering over this corpse, this dead body. He breathed the breath of life into mankind. And what God is showing us is not only his intentionality, but the the complexity of mankind. We are both material and immaterial. We are both physical and spiritual. We're both. We're complex. We're not one or the other. We're not one temporally because we're trapped in this other. This, this language of breath is so much similarities you see the rest of the Bible. I, the, I first go to Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus. He's standing at this tomb. This friend of his is dead in the tomb. And he doesn't go in and grab him and pull him out of the tomb. He doesn't go in and get him alive. He uses his words to make him alive, his breath. And you go to Paul when he writes in 2 Timothy, he's writing to Timothy, and he says something about the Bible that's really ironic to this text. He says that all the Bible was breathed out by God. Think of the book of Ezekiel, this crazy visual book, and this prophet gets this visual of standing in this valley, and this valley has all these dry bones. Think of a skeleton graveyard, and it's all these dry bones. Everything in the valley is dead, and the prophet is called to cry out to the dry bones, and when he cries out as a prophet, all the dry bones come to life. This imagery of the Spirit of God working in this physical way. This is the imagery we see when Jesus is hovering over this body. He, he breathes the breath of life into it. We have these souls. We're also material. There's the Bible references the idea of a soul over 200, 280 times the rest of the Bible. Read the Psalms. Do a Google search of the word soul in the Psalms. My soul cries out. In 2 Timothy or uh, Thessalonians, it, the, the Bible talks about when we absent from the body, we'll be present with the Lord. There's the idea that our soul can exist in this heavenly realm. So we both of these things were complex. And it's tempting to think that one is trapped by the other or one is independent from the other. And I like what Paul Helm writes 
He says this. It is a mistake to say, I'm a soul and I have a body. Your body is unique to you and it is not like a pair of glasses or an artificial heart or a wig. Your body is, when your body is injured, you are injured. Your growth and maturity from infancy is made possible by the growth of your body. It is unique to you and and in this life, it is you. While in the life to come, it will be you again. You are this beautiful, complex creation of both material and immaterial, physical and spiritual. I think it's ironic that the goal of, of God's creation is showing this idea of heaven on earth. Sometimes we don't think about that because we've lived in post three, post-Genesis 3 world, but Eden is heaven on earth. He's given us this picture of humanity that's both heaven and both earth. Adam created from the dust, but the breath of God from the heavens. It's both. I also find it ironic that Adam is his name for the man of the dirt. And then God creates him a counterpart and names her Eve. Mother of life, this physical and spiritual, this dirt in life, both at play all the time. And there's some implications to believing this. We we know that God is invested in your body. Hear that, Christian. God doesn't just care about your soul, God just doesn't care about your spirituality. If he got his hands dirty with Adam and Eve, then he wants to shape and form you in the physical way. He's invested in your body. You see this in the laws of Exodus when he creates all these laws with these people in the wilderness. Most of these laws pertain to the physical body. You see these crazy laws in the the Levitical law where he tells them to go outside the camp. He tells them to don't touch a dead body. He tells them to don't eat pork. Don't don't, uh, get tattoos. And some people have done weird stuff for those today. But what, what God was trying to do in the Old Testament is prevent disease. Because likely in the Old Testament, if you touch a dead body, you're going to be dead pretty quick. If you were around a leper, you're going to get leprosy pretty quick. If you got a tattoo, probably, most likely, you're probably going to get an infection. You're probably get sick. There's other reasons God did that. But one of the reasons is he wanted to protect the Israel's physical body. He didn't want a pandemic to run through the whole camp and God's people be dwindled down to a very few people. You see how, how he gave food to the Israelites in the wilderness. Why? Because he cares about the physical body. He's invested in it. The other thing we need to realize is that our souls in heaven are not the goal. Hear that, Christian. Your soul in heaven is not the goal. You may have seen it in movies. You may have this kind con- like this idea of like we become angels and have wings. No, Genesis 2 is the plan. Physical people with an immaterial world on a physical earth. 
That's God's plan. So we don't escape. We don't just escape this world. The goal isn't escape. The goal is restoration of this world. This quote by um, one of our brothers, Dr. Alice, Greg Alice, he says, the normal state of the human existence is an embodied existence. The normal state of the human existence is an embodied existence. The goal isn't to escape our bodies, but to resurrect our bodies. The second thing, the implication of this is that not all of our problems are spiritual problems and not all of our problems are physical problems. Let me say that again. Not all of our problems are physical problems, but not all of our problems are spiritual problems. Sometimes Christians do really harmful stuff trying to help. Sometimes they try to prescribe you a way to get better that actually makes you worse. So sometimes you have a spiritual war in your soul that has a physical solution. So as I care for people, meet with people, counsel people, pastor people, and they come to me with something going on in their mental world or their spiritual world. They talk about anxiety or depression or, or anything they're dealing with. One of the first things I start asking them is, how's your sleep? What's your diet like? What's your work schedule? Why would I do that? But the physical world is talking to your spiritual world. And sometimes... Christians have met with that person and just told them to read the Bible more and therefore they read the Bible more and they get more anxious and then they get mad at God for not solving the problem. Your physical world has, has an effect on your spiritual world. These are not two separate spheres. You are a spiritual and a physical being and those two things are talking to each other every single day, every minute of your life. You may have physical problems that have a spiritual cause. I don't know about you, but when I'm stressed and usually overworking, I'm usually sick. I usually got a cold. usually got something going on in my, in my physical world. Why? Because they're always talking to each other. So some people may be struggling with something, and one of their best solutions in their inner world is to take a nap. And maybe, I'm not telling you to do this, but maybe go see a physician and get some medicine. Because God has made us physical beings and spiritual beings, and those are not separate from each other. And sometimes you don't need to read your Bible more to get healed, healed over here, but sometimes you do need to read your Bible more to calm your heart so your, your pace of life will slow down. And sometimes you need to change your health habits and your sleeping habits to calm your spiritual world. Both, both are true. And we see this most in the life of Jesus. We see this most in the life of Jesus. We step into the gospels, the first books of the New Testament, and you have this young teenager on the scene and a whole, the, the angel comes to her and says, hey, I know you've never had sex with your boyfriend or husband, but hey, you're pregnant. Mm physical world. God could have just like dropped him 
Jesus on earth, right? It's like a spiritual being. But he, he, he made him go through the natural means of child labor and brought him to earth. And Jesus grew up eating regular teenage food and getting probably got a cold, probably got sick, probably got tired. We see him sleeping in boats and going to the hilltop and taking a nap. We see in the incarnation, the true complexity and true beauty of what we're made to be. Jesus, both physical and spiritual. And what does he start doing when he gets to his ministry? He's baptized. And one of the first things he starts doing, he starts healing people. Why? Because he is trying. He's, one of the first things he says when he gets on the scene, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. What does that mean? Is I'm ushering in a new way of living. I'm bringing Eden back. I'm bringing Genesis 2 back. And what's the thing that he's going to do to show us it? He's going to heal physical people. He's going to look at a dead person and bring him to life. He's going to look at a leper and heal him. He's going to look at a blind man and, and give him sight. He's going to look at a, a person that's a paralytic and give him legs to walk. Why? Why would he do that? He's showing us what it's meant to be. He's showing us what it's meant to be. And then he, he goes, he lives his life, he does his ministry. And what, what happens to him? He dies a physical death brutally murdered and tortured. Why? Because as physical people, we need a physical savior to bear a physical punishment. He dies. Hung on a cross, breathed his last breath. He's just like Adam, made of dirt, hanging up there. He's buried in this tomb. Like we've all been the funerals. And on the third day, he shows us the importance of the physical body by rising from the dead. You don't know if the physical body matters. Look at the resurrection. He could have just like floated out of the tomb, right? He could have just came out and said, hey, like I'm here. Your body doesn't matter. No, he, he shows up. He shows up. His physical body in resurrected form. Jesus shows us our bodies matter. But the reason this is kind of strange to us and kind of alien to us, because it's hard to imagine our physical bodies being a good thing. Because we experience most of our shame in our physical bodies. What I mean by that is that we experience the, the brokenness of the world most in our bodies. What, is, what does Adam and Eve do? As soon as they sin, the first thing they do is hide their bodies. He says they're naked and unashamed, and all of a sudden they're covered up and ashamed. Brokenness and the curse and the sin suddenly brought shame to their bodies. Suddenly. And then when, when they sin and God is sharing the punishment of sin, and what is, he pun what is the curse involved? Man is going to sweat with hard labor with his physical body, and the woman is going to be in pain through child labor, child bearing ch children. Physical curse in the physical body. We drive through Metroplex and we drive downtown. We look at skylines. One of the first things you see in a skyline are what? Hospitals. Why? Because the physical bodies are broken. Big industry, 
sky rises, full of people with broken bodies. When you get a new full-time job, one of the first things you start figuring out in the interview process is how good's my healthcare? Why do we ask that question? Because we know our bodies are broken. So when we feel our bodies broken so much, we still feel the pain of our bodies, we don't think the body is good. We don't. Because it's screaming to us, it's communicating to us every single day, this is messed up, it's broken, it's messed up, it's broken. So our thinking goes to, I need to escape this body. And what the resurrection and what Jesus tells us is when we feel the brokenness of our body, we don't escape it, we resurrect it. When we feel the brokenness of our body, we long not for a day without our bodies, we long for a day when our bodies will be made whole. I don't know if you know this, but the body you have will be the body you have in a million years. The body you have is the body you'll have on this earth one day. It just won't freak out about carbs. The body you have is the body you'll have one day. It'll just be made whole. So we live in it now. We steward it now. We take care of it now, hoping for a day. Every time we go to the doctor, hoping, hoping for the resurrection, hoping for Jesus' return. We long for a day when our bodies will be made whole, will be made new. This may sound heretical, but Jesus died so you may have health. Jesus died so you will prosper in your health. That's not heresy. Heresy is that Jesus died so you have, may have health right now. Jesus promised you health. Jesus promised you no medical bills. Jesus promised you a day with no diagnosis. There's, Jesus promised you when he died and rose again and he offered you salvation, he promised you a day with no funerals. He promised you a day with no bills. He's promised you that. Now we just live into it and hope, hope for it. We just hope for it. But we live in our bodies right now. So the, the, we're beautiful, we're broken, we're messy, and we're complex. And how do we live is as if that were true. Sounds great, Zach. How do I live as if it was true? I'm going to give you three encouragements. First encouragement is to enjoy Enjoy the body you have in the life you have. It. Verse eight in chapter two says they placed them in the garden in the body he made for them. Why? To enjoy the garden. Enjoy the, the beauty and the complexity of your bodies in this life today. Don't just wait one day to enjoy the body you have. Enjoy the body you have today. God didn't have to give you taste buds. God didn't have to give you ears to hear amazing music or smells to smell flowers. If flowers are something you like smelling, I don't like smelling flowers, but if you like smelling flowers, he gave you nostrils to do that. He gave you hands to hold the ones you love. He gave you arms to hug the people you miss. Enjoy this life in your bodies. Sometimes we, 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 we separate the, the physical and the spiritual so much and we think over here, it's like, I must do spiritual things to glorify God. 
You know, physical is all flesh. But Jesus doesn't do that. He enjoys meals and hanging out. When, when he rises from the dead, this is his last days. He rises from the dead and he goes and meets his disciples. His disciples are fishing. He's on the bank. And what does he do? He makes breakfast for them. Enjoyed a meal with his friends. Enjoy the body and the life you have today. Secondly, show up. Show up in your body, in the presence of your world, in the presence of other people's lives. Jesus used his body to serve others. This is the most natural one for us, but the more, more need-based one for us, because we all know the absence of people showing up physically. Zoom didn't cut it. Live stream didn't cut it. Why? Because we are physical people that need physical interactions with one another. We, we missed hugging people. We miss giving handshakes. Why? Because we're physical people that, that are created for physical touch with other people. That means we need to show up in other people's lives to have physical needs. Understand what people mean when they just want us to do spiritual care or just preach the gospel, but you don't see that in the life of Jesus, and you don't see that in the story of the Bible. Why do we care about physical needs of the, the homeless and the hungry? Because this physical world matters. And James says, if you just pray for somebody and doesn't give them a, some clothes or food, then you're an evil person. We care about physical needs and physical problems in this physical world because God wants justice and renewal in this world right now. So show up. Show up consistently in people's lives. One of the things I've loved about doing Bible studies on Monday nights and then we've got student ministry on Wednesday nights and we're doing stuff in the building is I get to rub shoulders with more people on a regular basis than we used to at our church. Because I get to see you more often. And there's no like super crazy intentionality of making sure I spend time with them and making sure I spend time with them. No, I just, we just cross paths with one another and say, hey, how's your week doing? Hey, what's going on in your world? And those little 30-second, one-minute interactions are creating a community that's stacking on top of each other week after week after week. But if you just show up once a week on a Sunday morning and you see people for 30 seconds at a time, what physical community are you able to, to belong to? There's weeks that because of some of the things we've done at the church that there's people I hung out with four or five times a week and it wasn't like this intentional discipleship plan, community. It's like, no, we just, we're spending time together. One of the benefits of doing things like men's hangouts and women's hangouts, like there's no spiritual content. There's no bait and switch. One of the reasons we do trunk or treat or stuff like that, it's no bait and switch. There's no spiritual really thing going on is that we need to spend time with one another in a physical way. But that requires you to believe that my presence matters. One of the things I've told our students every week on Wednesday night, when you're missed, when you miss, you're missed. Your presence matters. Your physical presence on a Wednesday night matters. It matters to me, matters to your friends and your, your, in your small group with. So show up. And lastly, pay attention. Pay attention. This, your body is this weird communication, communicating mechanism. 
that you're emitting communication and you're receiving communication and your soul and your body are communicating to one another. And you know this. You can listen to your body and know something's going on with you. You can sense something going on in somebody else's body and you're like, steer clear. Like something's going on in their world that I'm not messing with today. There's ways that your, your face can communicate sometimes unintended consequences. Pay attention. One of the reasons we, we talk about self-awareness sometimes at a church is because we believe how you're physically experienced matters in how you love people. How you're physically experienced is showing some type of love to your neighbor and your friend. The problem with self-awareness is that sometimes what we try to do and how it lands on other people are very different things. You ever said something to somebody you thought your, your intentions were to be nice and kind and loving and they walked away angry? Like, no, no, I didn't mean to do that. The goal of self-awareness is closing the gap between what I meant and how people experienced me. And that's spiritual. That's significant because our physical experience matters. So pay attention to that. Ask people. It's a terrifying question. How have you experienced me? Terrifying question. If you have teenage kids, like pray up before you ask that question. Because we want not just what we intended, but how people experience us to matter. Pay attention to how you're doing. Wake up, take five minutes, 10 minutes every morning, sit on the side of your bed, silence, and just listen. What's going on in me? Pay attention to what your body's communicating. If your, your physical world is affecting your spiritual world, your spiritual world is affecting your physical world, pay attention. Invite people into your life, create safety and relationships that people are able to say to you, come alongside of you and say, hey, I've sensed some anger in you a lot lately. Anything going on that we can process together? Hey, you're, you, you're, your countenance is really sad. Anything I can pray for you about? Pay attention. Pay attention. Listen, listen. Because when you do that, you're being holistic people, not just spiritual people and not just physical people. You're listening to yourself. It's a terrifying thing. But as you do it, you'll become a whole disciple of Christ that's not just shaping your, your, your soul with Bible and church, but you're also not just working out. You're paying attention. Enjoy the life in your physical body that you have right now. Show up with your physical body into other people's lives and pay attention. Let's pray. Father, yeah, I'm just going to ask before I even pray. Just sit for a second. It's maybe the only quiet moment you have all week. So everybody take a big inhale and exhale. And just listen. Listen to what your body's communicating. Maybe there's a, there's a thing going on in your body, a physical problem going on in your body that you haven't paid attention to because you've been too busy to pay attention to it. Listen to your soul. How are you actually 
Not your church answer. Are you stressed? Are you angry? Are you bitter? Do you need to sleep? Father, we, we thank you for our bodies as a gift to enjoy this world, but we also long for a day when you rescue, restore and rescue us from the corruption of our bodies in this world. Father, give us joy, give us strength, give us, give us faith to live this life we have in our bodies. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. Not Jesus is portrayed, he kind of gave us a picture of his body. He met with his best friends over a meal. He took a piece of bread like this and he says, this is my what? Body. Broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And he took a cup of wine like this and he held it up. And he says, this is my blood, which is a sign of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me, the blood I shed for you. So each time we eat of this bread and drink of this juice, we're remembering the body of Jesus broken on our behalf. So as you come to the tables, maybe you're new here, we gather around these tables. I encourage you to take these elements and digest them in your physical body. And as you eat them, remember God's gracious gift to your life in your body. That he died for your body. So you may flourish and live everlasting. If you're not a Christian, we ask that you not take this meal. But the pains of your body drive you to hope in Jesus. That the only rescue you have from the pains of this world is the hope of Jesus. So cling to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. I'd love to talk to you about that today. Hey, I'm Lyle Drury and the lead pastor at Sojourn Church, J-Town. Thanks for listening. We are here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them into the world to be a faithful, loving presence. For more sermons, info about our church, or ways you can support our ministry, visit sojournchurch.com slash J-Town.